Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Amen. Well, good morning, girls. Good morning. Good morning. It is 10 a.m. here in beautiful, beautiful Sydney. And I'm so glad and excited that you've joined us again for Thursday morning. And so wherever you are, whether you're gathered in rooms like many of our campuses are or online, it is fantastic to see you all visiting from overseas. Fantastic. Are you well? Good morning. Are you well? I hope that you are well this morning and I'm um, enjoying life and uh, it's fantastic. I'm excited for today. I think we're going to have a fantastic day today. I'm really excited about who I've got with me. I've got Pastor or Dr. Robbie Zondariga with me and the beautiful um, Nikki Seely. So I'm going to chat to them in one second. But um, yeah, so what are you up to? Have you had a good week? Have you been... Um, had any birthdays? If you're on the chat line, if you've had a birthday this week, why don't you just say a quick hi um, to your friend? Tell us who's having a birthday. Um, I know Rose Medwin in Tasmania had a birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to you, to you, Rose. You're gorgeous. Actually, Beck and Rose are going to be on with me next week because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Week and we've got a beautiful morning, a powerful morning planned um, for that. So I hope that you're going to be a part of that. It's awesome. Hey, girls, I was just, um, just chatting to Robbie and Nikki earlier but um, I just FaceTimed with Holly Wagner just um, a few moments ago and uh, she was at the airport eating chips and a hamburger as only Holly can and so she'd been doing a leadership thing that she does and was flying home but um, she sends her love to you, to all her Aussie sisters. She sends her love and she says that she misses you so that's amazing. So um, you know what, girls, at Hillsong Church, um, at Sisterhood, we love language. I personally love language. I think language is descriptive, obviously. It is describing descriptive. Um, language is envisage. I can't say it. It envisions. Amen. It has a capacity to envision. It is inspiring. It is empowering on so many levels. And so in context of us this morning, um, continuing by the grace of God to be a force for good on the earth, um, I am calling this week, I am calling this encouragement, I am calling this conversation that we're about to have in a few moments, I'm calling it Freedom Begins in Us. Freedom Begins in Us. And so to that end, I again, I'm really excited that we've got Dr. Robbie Zondarega with us, who's going to speak to that freedom within us in order that we can actually um, allow that freedom to be felt outwardly to others, obviously. So, Robbie, officially a huge hi. You are huge on my screen, so I have been watching you, drinking your coffee and what have you. But welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so lovely to have you here. Thanks so much, Bobby. It's so great to be not just with you, but with everyone today all around the nation. And so thank you so much for inviting me to speak into this, I think, important and timely topic about freedom. Amen. And like Mike Gore last week, you look extremely wonderful on that, you know, beautiful background. Come on. I'm, I'm secure in my manhood. I can do this. No worries. You are. You are. So for like you are well known. The girls know you around Australia. Um, you're a great 
a man of God and a great minister in our land. But for anyone around the world who maybe is linking in, who doesn't quite know who Dr. Robbie Zondarega is, I just want to say that Robbie is a clinical psychologist <laughs> of renown, actually. Um, he's extremely... Um, amazing in the field of expertise that he carries. He has a number of, he has produced a number of um, educational curriculums. So Robbie, just for one moment, tell us about some of those curriculums because they're pretty incredible and they're available to, to a wide market of people, right? Yeah, we, well, we've been working around the world for the last two decades, mostly in war zones, natural disaster areas, and with uh, uh, survivors of human trafficking. So we've developed a number of programs to help put people's lives back together again. But we are equally as passionate about taking psychology from the front line and bringing it to the home front, recognising, hey, we all need these life empowerment skills. And, uh, and when science is lining up with the word of God, there's a perfect match to be able to equip and empower people. So we've developed a whole suite of resources locally as well that uh, churches can access and yeah that's that's pretty much what we spend our time doing equipping empowering and serving the church yeah well hats off to you mate because I know a lot of work goes into that a lot of due diligence and I know it's something it's an incredible resource that is available so I don't know where, where do girls find that where could people find that or churches find that uh, the greatest, latest platform is peoplecare.global um, for, for churches. It's it's specifically designed as a discipleship platform for churches to engage. And then churches, uh, once they subscribe, can make it available for free to all of their congregation members with no limit. Okay, love that. Thank you so much for doing that because that's a huge labour. Um, more than that, you're a husband and a father. So you're married to Nolene. You've got three kids. Just tell us their ages these days. Bye. Five kids these days, yeah. It's, uh, I know. It's okay. COVID. What do, you, what do you say? No. No. <laughs> no, our kids, our kids, no, five. Well, they were probably um, just little tackers when, when you were with us <laughs> in, in Switzerland. But, look, yeah, they range in age from 18 to 8. And uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a busy season with five kids. But slowly but surely they're kind of getting old enough to, you know, um, we're looking forward to newfound, as the topic is for today, freedom. Okay, I love that. So beautiful. You know, I just want to say that Robbie has, to you girls, Robbie has spoken many times um, in church. He's spoken a number of times at Color. came up with me once to um, Color Kiev, and we've got a lot of memories there, um, and, and at staff retreats. And I just want to take one moment just to honour you, Robbie. I just want to honour you as um, a loyal friend to Pastor Brian and myself and to our church. I want to honour you for always being there. You've always said to me personally that um, if there's any way that you can serve um, our church or serve the body of Christ, if there's any way that you can serve us as a family, you're there and you really are. And I don't haven't ever taken that lightly and I don't believe that I abuse it in any way. But, you know, if I have had to phone you with a situation um, relating to someone that I know needs really that expertise care, you've always been willing and available. And I, I actually appreciate that. And even like Monday, I girls, I, I'll just be honest here, you know, I was thinking, okay, where am I going to land this for Thursday? And I was a little bit stumped. And then I was like, Dr. Robbie, I'm going to ring Robbie. And I texted him. And like, for a man to text back straight away, it's pretty nice. And he said, yes. And so what you did, what you did, Robbie, was that you actually lifted um, some of the pressure off my week and some of the anxiety, hallelujah, off my week. Because, girls, we had a huge color exec yesterday beginning to plan the bones and the heartbeat and the wonder of color coming up in March. So we're stepping out of faith, girls. We're going to go for it. You're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks. But I just want to thank you, Robbie. And then also, hallelujah, 
beautiful Nikki Seely um, sitting there. So good morning, Nikki. How are you? Morning, Bob. I'm good. I'm set <laughs> up finally. You malfunctions, but we're good. <laughs> she's worried that her cat is going to walk across the desk and she's worried that her borrowed iPad is not going to work. But um, Nikki's incredible. Nick and team, um, they work within our church to cultivate um, vision and um, uh, engagement um, both locally and globally. And Nikki actually is, um, I asked what her official title was. She said Social Justice um, Communications Manager. And uh, she's sitting in a great space and she's sitting there um, in some of that space that Catherine Thambaratnam so faithfully served in for 20 years. So fantastic. I'm going to get you in a second, um, Nick, to pray and then uh, we're going to continue. But just uh, another good praise report, girls, um, because this is um, our third October. October Sisterhood Fight Month, hallelujah, our third. And uh, on the weekend, there were a lot of Walk for Freedoms across um, the globe with um, A21 and our heart and endeavour to get in the gap when it comes to human trafficking, etc. So I chatted to Christine Kane um, and I said, how did it go, babe? And she's like, it was fantastic. A lot of nations, a lot of cities were compromised, but many girls got to walk and the ones that didn't walk were praying. And so I just want to encourage us as a praying sisterhood. Do you know what? That wasn't just last weekend, that weekend and now we've moved on. Do you know when you go walking, praying, exercising, whatever, just really be mindful because I know that every time the sisterhood prays, every time we collectively come together, um, the increase of rescues just goes up dramatically. So let's keep that in mind. Amen. Girls, I can't wait to get back in the room with you all so that I can actually hear you and hear your affirmation and hear you giggling and carrying on. All right, Nikki, pray for us this morning. We'd love to, Bob. And um, so be God. We thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you and we welcome your presence with us here and now. And we would just ask that you would still our minds, um, open our hearts and guide our conversation today, Holy Spirit, that we may learn and grow and become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. In one second, I'm going to let Robbie loose on us. Um, but just, just one thought I want to bring, one passage of scripture that came to my spirit and girls last week if you recall if you missed last week I really would encourage you to circle back and listen again because it was a strong morning I spoke from um, uh, the apostle Paul's letter to Peter and um, I encouraged us about remaining steadfast obviously um, being steadfast when going through the fires of life or the challenges of life in order that we can actually emerge and be counted amongst um, as vessels of honour. And I actually just camped for one second on a verse that said, even gold, even gold is um, refined in the fire. Even the gold in you and I, the gold, the good, the wonderful, the gold gets to be refined, is refined again and again so that it is proven pure. And I, this morning I just want to read to you from Isaiah 16. I, girls, I know it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but nevertheless, let me read to you, bring a thought and then give it to Robbie. But Isaiah 16 reads like this. It says, Arise, arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness 
all the peoples. But the Lord shall arise upon you, O Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen upon you. Verse 3, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And the Amplified Revised was that previous one was the classic. And the Amplified Revised, it says, arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory and brilliance of the Lord again, for your light has come. And girls, when I look at that, and for many years I've looked at that, and I have seen that, you know, for darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but his light and his glory shall arise upon you. And when I look at those words, darkness, do you know, when you look at words like depression or spiritual depression or prostration, I mean, what on earth is prostration? Okay, it's defined here as collapse weakness, debility, emotional exhaustion, fatigue, tiredness, paralysis, a sense of paralysis in life, despair, despondency, dejection, helplessness. Because all of those words do not sound like a recipe for freedom. And you know what? God in Christ, in Christ, hallelujah, has called us to a remarkable freedom why? So that we can then be light to others. And, you know, girls, all of those weeks that we spent on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians, you know, all of those weeks, all of those fruit were framed around a freedom, a freedom that God desires for us. In Galatians 5.1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And so, girls, I really do hope, I really do pray we are stirring the measure and the gift within, we are rallying the troops. I really do pray that hopefully all of us um, want to continue to be agents of change, that we want to be an agent of change in life. We want to be an agent of freedom in life, whether that's in our families, in our circles of community, whether that is in this greater global world. But you know what? It actually happens within. I know that we know that, but it happens within. And so I'm believing that our dear friend, Dr. Robbie, is going to enlighten us even more. And girls, I wrote down a little statement here. I said, you know, the desire to change the world. Changing the world, and many people are like, I want to change the world. Well, changing the world is a naive hype dream if we ourselves are captive to things like fear, anxiety, worry, unredeemed thinking, um, or imaginations that are so removed from the heart of God. And so, you know, growing, there's no condemnation. We're all growing in grace. And I believe by the grace of God, we are able to grow beyond these things and it's going to make an incredible difference. So, Robbie, um, thank you yet again. And I just want to entrust the table to you. And I, 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 I'm believing, we've, we've chatted a little bit during the week, but I really believe that you're going to actually exhort the girls, encourage the girls um, from your experience and from your expertise. And I've given you a good amount of time. So, girls, I would love us on the chats, in the room, amen, be vocal in the room. You've got the ability to make noise together. Hallelujah, why don't we just put our hands together and just really thank Robbie for coming this morning. Amen. Oh, good on you, Bobby. Thank you. Over to you. Um, what a great setup. Can I just start by saying those two verses that you read actually go hand in hand. It's a little bit like being sitting in a um, in a prison cell and the door has been opened. It is for freedom's sake that Christ has come to set us free. But, but now there's a responsibility transference. We need to arise. We need to step up and walk out the door. It's one thing to, to have the door opened, um, but we need to lay hold of that freedom. A number of years ago, I was uh, chatting with a bunch of Yazidi refugees in northern Iraq, 
and we were doing some post-traumatic growth training. And the United Nations, the UNHCR, the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, just had just announced that the average length of time that refugees would stay refugees in Iraq would be about 18 years. And to, to anyone, that, that sounds like a prison sentence. And so I uh, said to the, the gentleman that I was working with, I said, well, well, in one sense, your scenario, it, it, it reminds me of uh, a guy from ancient history called Joseph. Now, the story of Joseph is recorded in the Quran. It's recorded in the Torah. It's recorded in the Holy Bible. So all of the, the men, they, they knew this story. And so I, I unpacked it really quickly because the story does vary slightly in the different um, in the books. And so I said, look, here's a guy who was betrayed and he was, you know, sold into slavery. Uh, and then he was betrayed again by his master's wife and sent into prison. But even while he was in prison, he got betrayed a third time by the guy who said, hey, remember me when you get out of prison? And, and do you think he would remember? <laughs> no. And so, so, so here he is, he, he, multiple betrayals, and he's in lockdown. And, and I was saying to the guys, you know, he didn't just sit back and twiddle his thumbs, you know, feeling sorry for himself. In every situation, he rose to the challenge and excelled. He, rather than focusing on himself, he focused on others. He asked, how can I, how can I serve? And he served so well that he ended up running pretty much every place where he went to work, including the prison. Um, but of course, when he got out, when, when the Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret and the guy, oh, that's right. I know, I know a guy now he remembers and so uh so joseph interprets the dream but not only that he gives a recommendation for a way forward out of crisis and as a result he gets promoted to the prime ministership and so i, I was saying to the guys look if if god can in four moves use a guy who has been betrayed uh and gone from the pit to the palace to the prison to the prime ministership in four moves, well, what might he be able to do with you? In other words, in each of these phases of lockdown in Joseph's life, it was like a training ground for his leadership. And so I was kind of trying to encourage the Yazidi uh, refugees that, that maybe your lockdown here as a refugee in a refugee camp is actually an opportunity um, for promotion, that, that there's lessons that we can learn now such that when we get out, we, we, get, we go into a brand new place. And if we don't uh, apply or learn these lessons, if we just sit back feeling sorry for ourselves in this time of lockdown, we'll, we'll miss the opportunity. You know, Joseph would have never have learned the leadership capacity that would have been required to lead the nation. But of course, the, the Yazidi men, they push back and they're like, that's just a that's just a fairy tale. It's just a folklore story. And uh, and of course, that's not real. Of course, that would never actually happen to anyone. We could go from, you know, prison to the to the presidency. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no. Sorry. Maybe you misunderstood. This, this is actually the modern day story of Nelson Mandela. 26 years in prison but never lost hope, always holding on to the idea that, well, as long as I've got breath in my lungs, there's still something to, to hope for. And irrespective of whether or not you agree with his politics, you have to agree that here is a man who was able to hold on to faith that God was not done with him yet, and that God could even use him in the midst of these dark times um, to bring about good. 
And so that's a question for each and every one of us as we've been going through our own lockdowns. What might God be preparing us for? And are we also able to hold on to hope? Because in this season, I've heard many people say, oh, I've just, there's no hope. Like the nation is cooked. The, you know, the future is, you know, it's it's a wreck. Like there's no hope. And and then you actually drill down a little bit deeper with them and say, well, what do you actually mean by that? And they say, well, you know, I just feel hopeless. But having no hope is not the same as feeling hopeless. To feel hopeless is simply to have less of it, to have less hope. And so what we need to do is make sure that we recognize hope is not just something I have or don't have. It's something I can cultivate. Hope is not a feeling. Hope is a choice. And it's a choice that each and every one of us get to make. It's a little bit like the uh, the challenge that we're presented by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And some of us scratch our head going, really, always? Like, has anyone seen or heard what's going on? Like, this, this is, there's nothing to rejoice about here. And in case we're questioning it, he goes ahead and just says it again for good measure. Let me say it again, Rejoice. But sometimes we misunderstand a little bit like hope. We think that hope is a feeling or or hope is something we have or don't have. But rather, no, rejoice is an activity. It's something that we get to engage irrespective of whether or not we feel like rejoicing. Because here's the point. It is easier to act your way into feeling than it is to feel your way into action. And so if we recognize, hang on, I can actually rejoice And the feeling will follow. So I'm not going to follow my feelings. I'm going to inform my feelings and uh, and do what the Bible says. Praise my God, irrespective of whether or not I feel like it, because in just a couple of songs or after a couple of verses or after some encouragement with uh, some friends, my girls, look, I can feel great again. The feeling absolutely follows. So so freedom in this sense, this this freedom of of being able to rejoice irrespective of whether or I, whether or not I feel like it, it speaks of resilience. And actually uh, resilience and freedom go hand in hand. And of course emotional resiliency is a bit of a catchphrase these days that's often thrown around loosely. How so we all need to be emotionally resilient in these times, but I think it's often misunderstood. So let me just clarify it quickly for you. Emotional resiliency is is not so much about our emotional strength that nothing can get me down. I'm impenetrable. I, I've got this going on. I'm a I'm a force to be reckoned with, because um, as the saying goes, that which does not bend will break. So as the storm, as the winds of change come, uh, they and they blow. If you're not able to bend, if you are able to stay strong but not bend, will you'll break. And so emotional resiliency speaks more about emotional flexibility than it does about strength. So in other words, we need to be able to bend with the winds of change. When the storm is over, we can be restored to our original position. That right there would be to be resilient. But we don't just stop there. I want to go from strength to strength. So when the storms come in our lives, actually want to take opportunity. Uh, I want to seize this moment and use it to my advantage. There's, a, uh, there's an old saying that goes, it's okay to live through a storm. 
you just don't want the storm to live in you. And I, and I think that's so profound for a number of different reasons. Um, you don't want to camp there. You don't want to stop and, and, and because that's the moment you'll start to feel sorry for yourself. That's the moment you'll go, oh, woe is me. And, you know, uh, hopelessness kicks in and we start to go into mental decline. No, I, I want to be resilient. I, I want to hold on to hope and I, and I want to take advantage of this because in actual fact, when you look at, at, um, at science, we recognize that plants grow better in the midst of a thunderstorm than they do in just a normal rain shower or if they're watered by a sprinkler system. And the reason why this is, is because when the lightning strikes, it separates the nitrons in the air, which fall together with rain to the earth. And when they hit the ground, they become infused with the dirt and turn into nitrate which is fertilizer. I mean, don't you love that? That woven into the fabric of our creation is this opportunity for us to grow through difficult times, that whatever we go through, we can grow through, that I don't need to be afraid of the winds of change. I don't need to be afraid of the storms in my life. I can actually use them to my ability. So, so we have to relook at the way in which we think about stress because not all stress, not all pressure is going to be bad. In fact, sometimes it will be good. Uh, I think of stress a little bit like being uh, on the high seas of, of the ocean. You, you've got wind that comes and it fills the sail. In, in sailing terms, it, it picks up the skirt of the boat and it takes the boat places. You need a little bit of wind or a little bit of stress in order to go places. But of course, if there's no wind, well, then it's dead calm and you you're not going anywhere in your life. But of course, too much wind and you'll have to batten down the hatch. And once again, you're also not going anywhere. You're just riding out the storm. And so we want just the right amount of stress for the right reasons in the right way and at the right time. And, and I love the concept of, of this um, sisterhood, um, friendship, chat, round table. It's, it's not just, you know, gathering round and sipping cups of tea. This is called fight club, that, that there's a fight at hand. And if ever a boxer was to walk into a boxing ring before they would do anything, they would first size up their opponent and identify, okay, so what are the maneuvers that I need to be on the lookout for so, so that I don't get defeated um, by this battle? But, but also what are the weaknesses that I could potentially exploit or take advantage of so as to come out triumphant? So let's go ahead quickly, a little bit like a boxer, and size up this opponent called stress in order to tap in to freedom. So there are a couple of different types of stress or different ways in which we can experience stress. And the first is called critical. So stress is critical but not just critically bad, it could also be critically important. So, for example, if I wasn't just a little bit nervous about speaking to you all today, then I might be um, I might be bored myself and you would be totally uninterested. So uh, we need just a little bit of nervousness, just a little bit of stress, and, and sometimes we, we misunderstand. But the, but the Bible says be anxious for nothing, and yes, great point. We all experience anxiety, but we don't want to be anxious. To be anxious is to take on the identity I am anxious. Now, we all experience anxiety. The question is, how do you contend with your anxiety? How do you deal with that nervousness when it comes along? And so when your body starts, you know, producing a faster heart rate or your breathing starts to become a little bit shallow, you get those butterflies in your stomach. 
Well, this is your body's way of saying, hey, I'm getting you ready for what you're about to handle. So we can either perceive it as negative or we can perceive it as positive. And the way in which we process this will help determine our outcome. So, for example, research shows that if you believe stress is bad, if you believe that stress leads to aging, weight gain, degenerative disease, that it contributes to poor mental health outcomes, poor relationship outcomes, well, the research overwhelmingly demonstrates you are correct. Stress indeed is bad. But at the same time, if you believe stress is good, if you believe that stress can actually enhance your performance in the right amount and in the right way, if it can actually uh, add benefit your health and your relationships, well, guess what? You're also right. Apparently, what you believe about stress is what makes all of the difference when it comes to how it manifests in your life. So, so we need to size up this opponent called stress in this, this title fight that we've got going on and understand that stress is not just critically bad, but it could also be critically important. The second type of stress is compounded. Uh, obviously, if you've got more than one thing happening at the same time and with COVID, it's not just that I'm being locked down and I'm not able to attend church, but now I've got kids that are homeschooling with me. And, and not only that, but if I'm not able to work, then, then I might be having financial pressure. And then there's the whole debate about vaccine or not vaccine. And do I have a job in the future? And so th there's multiple stresses now coming into our lives. And this is compounded stress. I remember uh, sharing with you guys like way, way, way back when, and I thought I'd, I'd do it again. Um, I've got my trusty um, notepad. I don't know if you can see that or if it's getting, oh, it's kind of getting lost in there. Here we go. There, there it is. You can see it. So let me just draw this quickly. Everyone has got one of these. We call it, oh, I don't know if, oh, there we go. Oh, it's not really working. Oh, I'm just going to ditch it, ditch it. Okay, so everyone's got a, a tank or a bucket. We call it the frustration tank, and, and we've all got a level of stress. But when there are multiple sources, financial stress, relationship stress, health stress, whatever it might be, our frustration levels are going to rise. But there's only so much we can take. There's a, a, there's a line at the top that's a little bit like the line on the kettle that we boil water in or the line on the iron that we iron our clothes with when we're pouring water in. It says, do not fill past this point. Because if your stress levels exceed this, well, you'll enter into what we call the moron zone, which essentially means you have taken more on than what you can handle. And so now we start spilling out and over onto other people and, uh, you know, frustrations flare and relationships get damaged and we we've lost our mind. Why? Because the more emotional we get, the less intelligent we become. The more emotionally worked up we get, well, logical and rational thinking leaves the building. So we, know we want to keep our emotions in check. Of course, if we've got these compounded stresses and they're not resolved over time, part three, our stress can become chronic. This is where um, it's unabated. And now this is where stress can turn into distress, where our ease can turn into dis-ease or, in fact, to manifest in our lives as disease. And so this is the this is the opponent that we're dealing with here. But it's important to recognize that stress also takes place on a timeline. We've got historical stress, which is things that have happened in the past, maybe past abuse, trauma, uh, past hurts and hangups that can still affect us today. And then we've also got future stress, which is things that have not even happened yet. But I'm anxious that, that it's going to be worst case scenario. And that's what worry is. Worry is always anticipating something bad to happen. But as my friend Andrew Denton says, faith and fear are actually 
kind of two different expressions of the same thing. They're like two sides of the same coin. They both ask the same question. Fear asks, but what if this happens? But faith asks, but what if this happens? We don't actually know the outcome yet. It, it could be positive, but we're just anticipating that it's going to be negative. So we've got a choice in this. Worry never, ever, ever gets us closer to a solution. And so therefore it's kind of a bit pointless or useless, even though there are concerns and real things that we need to contend with. And that's why there's also a middle point on this timeline of stress, and it's called present day stress. And this is where we have the pressures of our lives. And, and if we don't know how to deal with pressure, um, well, we very easily can become broken. So I brought along a little illustration, a little egg to highlight there is a way in which we can contend with our pressure. I'll often do this as an example on stage. I'll get somebody to hold this egg in their hand and close their hand around it and squeeze as hard as they can to try and break the egg. And to their amazement, they discover the egg is almost unbreakable when the pressure is dispersed. But all it takes is just one single point of pressure. If we were to poke it just with one finger, it's so easy to penetrate and break. And that's a little bit like our thoughts. Our thoughts can be sticky thoughts where we're just nursing, cursing and rehearsing one thing like a mouse on a treadmill going around and around. What if I lose my job? What if I do, what if I do this? What, what if this happens? And, and all it takes is just one thought to penetrate you. But what if we were learning, what if we were to learn to disperse our pressure? And the best way to do that is, well, the problem shared is a problem halved. Don't, don't go it alone. Let's make sure that we engage our sisters in, in, in what's going on in our lives. And even if I can't meet physically, I can definitely call somebody up. It's a little bit like the, uh, the, the four guys that picked up the crippled guy to get him to Jesus. It, it wasn't a lawyer, an accountant, a banker, and a psychologist. No, these were just four everyday, ordinary people who were willing to do whatever it took to get into Jesus. And that's the key. If you've got four good friends who are willing to come alongside you, then it's like four pole bearers with you on the stretcher. But the goal is you don't want to stay on the stretcher. You want to only be there for when you need to be there, but then get off and, and pick up one of those corners of the poles so, so that you can support one of your friends. We're all in this together. And when we're able to disperse the pressure, we become unbreakable. That's why there's power in community. But it's also recognizing that now that I've got this, this support, what am I going to do with it? Now that, I, now that I've been put back into a position of resilience, well, what can I do next to advance my life? So, so I don't just want to re be restored to my original position. I want to grow through difficult circumstances. And so this is kind of where Enter Stage Left, a, uh, a film comes to mind. Actually, uh, Don Cooper Williams put me onto this film. I don't even know what the film is called. It's pretty gruesome. It's a little bit like Braveheart on steroids. And the story is of a, a warrior, these, these rival tribes in the highlands of Scotland that are fighting each other. Um, talk about fight club. Um, but it was a little bit like David and Goliath, where they would just select one champion from each tribe and the champions would fight and the winner would take all. And so in this particular film, the champion uh, that was being used to do the fighting was actually stolen from another clan. He was a prisoner. But one night with the help of a young boy, they escaped and they were making their way over the highlands of Scotland when they came upon another tribe who wanted to know, are you friend or are you foe? And so the young boy explained that this one-eyed warrior, he was formerly held captive, but now he'd been set free. To which the chief of the clan asked, so now you've got your freedom, 
What do you plan to do with your freedom? And when that line was said, it flew off the screen and hit me full force because that right there is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I love what you said, Bobby, that it is for freedom's sake that we've um, been set free, that Jesus came, that we might have life and live it with abundance so that it's not just being set free from something, not just being set free from captivity, but now that we're free, what do you plan to do with your freedom? Like we've got an opportunity to harness this freedom for a purpose or use our freedom to do something great. So what's your growth? Rather than just recovery, how do we grow through these difficult times and, like Joseph, get promoted to a greater opportunity to serve and expand God's kingdom? This gospel message, to me, it's we often use the statement, Jesus has paid our debts, so that if we were in debt and he paid our debt, we would be back at neutral or zero. Hang on, that's that's not abundance. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and live it with abundance. So now what do we do with that freedom in order to cultivate something, some character on the inside, an opportunity to serve? What are we doing? I love what Winston Churchill said in the midst of his darkest time. He's like, let's not speak of dark days. Let's speak of sterner days. We've all been given an opportunity to make these days memorable in the history of our race if we each play our part. And that right there is freedom. A couple of thoughts, simple thoughts around how we can tap into our freedom, how we can disperse the pressure, how we can contend with the opponent, so understanding the opponent. But now... So now that you've been set free, ladies, what do you plan to do with your freedom? And I think that's the question that we all need to contemplate in this next season. It's not just freedom from lockdown. Okay, that, that's, that day will come. But then what? What do you plan to do with your freedom? And even while in lockdown, how can we be more like Joseph and rise to the opportunity, rise to the occasion to serve and allow God to prepare us in our leadership for what he has in store next? Robbie, that was exceptional. If you are on the chatter in the room, why don't we just put our hands together because that was spectacular. Um, your Highlander accent, spectacular. Ugh, I do it again. What are you going to do? Let's do the freedom thing again. What do you plan to do with your freedom? Oh, what do you plan to do with your freedom? Okay, I could almost get there if I practice. <clears throat> Seriously, mate, that was just packed thick and rich and wonderful. I got a text while you were talking on my phone from a friend in Melbourne who's like, this guy is awesome. So compliments there. Um, so much gold. So this is what happened to me in the middle of that. I don't know if anyone saw me disappear, but my entire net internet broke down. So I missed about eight minutes or 10 minutes of that and circle back. So I will be one who will be going back to listen. But I got enough to know that um, you brought a wealth of wisdom to us today. I want to ask you just one question. And I hope that in the eight minutes I missed, I didn't miss uh, you talking to this. But you know, um, just in context of our sisterhood, um, Robbie, and again, you mentioned how you've worked in um, war-torn areas and you've walked, worked amongst survivors and refugees. I know that to be true. Um, people who have been traumatised, held captive and traumatised quite literally, not just locked up in their homes like we've been experiencing in COVID, but a lot more than that. And so as a praying um, 
as an empathizing and praying sisterhood, like are there just a couple of specific things that we can pray over someone when they come to mind like that or when we see their plight on TV? Like we can watch the news and it's like you see what's happening in, in, in Afghanistan when, it, um, you know, that city fell, whatever, and you go, oh, Father in heaven, how? How can we specifically pray? Because I think specific prayer is powerful. Yeah, it's a great question and it's not an easy question to answer because there are so many different moving parts to the equation. It's one thing to work with refugees. The whole idea of a refugee is that they've escaped the, 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 the frying pan. They're out of the fire now. And now it's that process of reconciling our past so as to get on with our future. And that's really a battle for the mind. It's not just a bowl of soup and a blanket. It's how do I heal the wounds? Because they're not just physical wounds. They're, they're wounds on the inside. And in the same way that you might have a physical wound, if you don't address that gash and put a dressing on it and clean it um, and, and sterilize it, well, then it can become infected. It can become gangrenous. And in fact, it can kill you. And so, but the same is true with our mind. Uh, it, it's a little bit like the statistic of, of people returning from Vietnam. There was, a, there was a certain percentage of soldiers who died in Vietnam, but 300% more soldiers died after they came home because of not physical wounds, but because of mental wounds. And so, and so there's two different questions here. The refugees that we pray for, it's not just praying for safety, but now praying for reconciliation in their mind and in their heart so that they can get on with their lives and live an amazing future. Um, that's the one thing. But on the other side of the equation, when somebody is still in the midst of crisis, mm -hmm. hey, we, we are an army of believers. And, and I believe that, that we don't always understand why things happen in the way in which they happen. But this much we do know. We know who. Who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can ask them to imagine it. And if we were to speak into that space and really ask God to mobilize, whether it be the political factions, whether it be the, the, uh, the church or the, the humanitarian, um, or even open the door that the right people would be able to escape um, in, the, in the nick of time, God can hold back the forces of darkness. And so a praying people, that's where the fight is at. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. Amen. Thank you. But I mean, even that, you just like defining that and breaking that down helps us to pray. And that's what I actually do love about our color sisterhood. And, you know, what we bring to the table in that space as much as we can is, is um, tools and mechanisms and specifics to pray about. Because otherwise we're just praying, Lord, have your will, which is actually quite powerful. But if we can go specific, like right now, some of the things that we're facing, I'm like my, my, my close friends, I'm saying, this is where you can pray specifically. I know you're all praying for us at the moment um, as a, you know, a church and what have you, but these are some specific areas in it. And it's, and they're like, thank you. That's, that's how we want to pray and know to pray. Okay. Robbie, I want to um, allow you to pray for the girls at the end in Jesus name. But um, Nikki, just for you for a moment, darling girl, um, I just want you just quickly to remind our sisterhood women, um, just uh, sort of where and how they can continue to remain engaged because we've done a lot of work over the years to create tools and mechanisms and go to. So just take a, a couple of seconds, sweetheart, and just remind them of those spaces. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, looking to the needs of others begins with empathy, and we've talked a lot about that as a colour sisterhood. And, and it's really about not just putting ourselves in someone else's shoes, but to um, understand that it's sitting with the experience of another person as they perceive it. and But that can be tricky, you know, because we're fatigued sometimes with the needs around us and our own stresses. 
but um, and we, it's a bit overwhelming to know, you know, what do I do and where do I even begin? So if you are looking for somewhere to re-engage perhaps or a place to start um, engaging with that empathy again, we've actually created some really great tools on the colorsisterhood.com website. And the first thing I would say is um, the Colour Sisterhood catalogue. I don't know if you'll be able to see this. But it, oh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> it looks like that. But it's, um, it's simply a list, if you like, of films and documentaries, podcast books, to really help us engage with issues that we may not have experienced ourselves or ways to learn from other people and who may be different to us. And it's a chance for us to sit with the complexities and challenges that people face and things like slavery and human trafficking trafficking or um, empowerment of women. There's a whole range of topics there and great resources to spark your interest. And the second thing is that we put together um, a thing for colour this year called the 10 Tips of increasing your empathy but you can also find that there as well and just to set us on that path in larger hearts and our minds and understanding and I think at the foundation of it really it's just understanding that we're all created in the image of God and loving our neighbor and just doing the work to really um, engage and educate ourselves and listening with a humble heart to others experiences and not just as how we would imagine we would feel but understanding how they would feel in that space so all of these tools are actually available on on the website colorsisterhood.com and there's so many things there that you can engage with and hopefully it'll be helpful so yeah well done sweetheart i'm excited for the future in this space as well okay girls you know what our time is nearly done but i just want to read one more passage of scripture over you and then i'm going to ask robbie to pray for us but it's in fact it's found in first peter um chapter two and it says but you you are a chosen generation Again, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved. Conduct yourself honorably with graciousness and with integrity so that so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers, yet by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to glorify God in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. Amen. I love that back passage where it says, in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. And I just believe that we are still in a day of visitation. Hallelujah. Whilst it is still day and I believe that a harvest is brewing, people are hungry for truth, they're hungry for light in Jesus' name and hope. And so I really do pray, girls, if I just may say, I just pray with all my heart that our church, what we're responsible for, and that our sisterhood, that we will always be a part of that visitation. Amen. So like Robbie has exhorted us and Nikki and the Word of God this morning, you know, finding freedom to excel, 
to flourish, hallelujah, and to shine is so important. And that's what this particular October Fight Club Month is actually about. And girls, I don't know whether the world's going to get brighter. I hope and pray that it does. But one thing I do know is that his followers and his people and his church is going to shine bright by the grace of God. Amen. In Jesus' name, Robbie, would you like to pray for the girls in Jesus' name? I would love to. God, I just thank you so much. Jesus, That it is for freedom's sake that you've come to set us free and we don't take this for granted. We just ask God that you would help us now to arise, to stand up, dust ourselves off and be counted among your people as we go into battle. And in this fight club, God, it's not just setting, being set free from something, but we're being set free to and for something that we can be um, ex excellent in our conduct, just like Bobby read in that scripture. And I just thank you so much, God, that there is an opportunity for us to serve at every turn, even today. I pray, God, that you would open up our eyes to see the opportunity that we have to make a difference in somebody else's life today, because that will help us personally as well. So we thank you for our time together. I pray, God, that you would really uh, empower, equip, and encourage each and every one of the people who have been listening to this, I just wrap your, I just, God, I metaphorically wrap my arms, your arms around all of the ladies, um, your girls, your family. Thank you, God, for a company of women who are a force to be reckoned with in this day and age of tyranny and atrocity. We thank you that there is a light called Jesus that we can look to. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. Amen. 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 You know what? If you're in rooms gathered, girls, you know how it works. Our team are there. They're going to book in and back in this. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to put your hand up. Um, I pray that our girls in our different locations will give women an opportunity to open their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're watching on from somewhere around the world, let us just say it one more time. You are loved of God. He doesn't come to condemn you. He loves you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they love you. And you know what? To reach out and to allow God to become part of your life is simply a prayer, a heartfelt prayer where you just open your heart, acknowledge, even when you don't fully understand, just acknowledge that there is a God in heaven and he loves you. Open your heart to him. Allow his son to come near, cleanse you, give you a new life. And um, you know what? It's the beginning and it's a heartbeat prayer. That can happen for you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we love you. Hey, girls, next week, like I said, is Breast Cancer Awareness Week. And so don't um, draw back from that and think, oh, yeah, hallelujah. No, lean in. We're going to have some great stories and some great things to, to share with you. And don't forget, it is Worship and Creative Conference coming up. So be praying about that. Lean in. It's not just for creatives. I think we were all born. We are all created in the image of a creative God. We've all got creativity to bring. Robbie might not be a painter, he probably is, but he has brought truth and expertise with creative finesse and genius today. And so that's what it, the conference is actually about. So we love you. Have a great day. Take care of one another and we'll see you next week. Amen. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.